Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365. Hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! Good morning, Birds fans. A Monday morning, a holiday Monday morning. Most importantly, a game day Monday morning. Uh, we heard Birds 365 live for days like this. The Eagles in a playoff game uh, Monday. I'd rather a Sunday, but that's okay. We've had to wait all weekend. The last of the six wild card games. It will get here tonight at some point. But there's a whole bunch that happened on the way up to the game that we're going to discuss here today. Uh, as you can see, my partner today has way too much hair to be John McMullen. That would be Bill Calarulo, our uh, power hour guy here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Johnny Mac winging his way down to Tampa to be in the house for the Bucks and the Eagles tonight. Um, Bill, I want to be optimistic about tonight's Eagles game. I want to believe that the Eagles can flip a switch and go back to the team that was 10-1, and one, not the team that's lost five out of its last six. But I don't really have any hard evidence to hook that belief into um, other than they've been a very good team for the past two years, for the majority of the time. Not the last month and a half, but the last two years they've been a very good football team. Why should I believe that it can be just that easy? They put their mind to it and they go back to being the Eagles team that was 10-1 and one to start the season. I was right along with you, Jody. I had lost hope. I wasn't as excited for this playoff game as I've been in previous years. I talked about it all week. The vibe was bad. But for me, everything changed yesterday. Because what this team has been saying all week is that the playoffs are a brand new season. And damn it, did we not learn that the playoffs are a brand new season watching those Dallas Cowboys. Here we go. Getting dominated yesterday. The day before, you saw the Cleveland Browns' number one defense get shredded by the Houston Texans. So where I'm finding hope and some joy 
is that this is a brand new season. And we saw two teams in the Browns and the Cowboys do things that they didn't do all season long. The Cowboys were unstoppable at AT AT&T Stadium all year. So I'm taking solace in. It's a new season. Let's get fired up. And that's a good way to look at it because you're right on both fronts. I I kind of thought the Texans were going to win the game the way that they want it. No, I thought the Packers were going to be competitive with the Cowboys said yesterday morning on WIP blowing out the Dallas Cowboys. I did not see that coming. No way, no chance, no how. So you're right. Things do change and can change when you come into the playoffs. And that's a good, optimistic, positive way to look at it. But then I got to come back to the reality of the Eagles are going to be without their best football player tonight. And John and I have both agreed on this, that if you're just ranking the players, John and Ed Kratz did a uh, ranking of the, not the most important players, because the most important player is always going to be your quarterback. So Jalen Hurts would have to top that list. Their list instead was the most talented player, the best player in his position on the Eagles before the year started. And John and Ed had Lane Johnson, number one, and, it was either Kelsey or A.J. Brown, 2-3, two, 3-2, three, three, two, whatever order they were. Uh, but I know he had lane number one, and I agree with him. Um, after the season, best player in the Philadelphia Eagles is A.J. Brown. Um, and I don't think there's an argument. It's not really all that close. And they go into this game with no A.J. Brown. Uh, I, here's uh, This would work it work quite with you, but it would work better with Kamala because he and I go back and forth on this all the time. The coach is borderline obsessed with competitive advantage, that he wants to try and grab a competitive advantage everywhere, every which way he can. They announced A.J. Brown was out on Friday. Why would you do something like that? Why wouldn't you make the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, prepare for A.J. Brown, think about A.J. Brown? They decided at this juncture to say, we're going to be honest and forthright and upright and tell you that he's not going to play. There's something more there than meets the eye, which I haven't quite figured out yet, but we'll save that for another day, maybe next week. The bottom line is they don't have A.J. Brown to play. You got faith Quez Watkins going to be able to step up and replace, be even A.J. Brown light in this game? No, I don't have any faith in Quez Watkins. I haven't had faith in him in a couple of seasons. But the silver lining here, because I'm trying to keep it positive today, Jody, the silver lining here is – Does A.J. Brown, your best wide receiver, as you said, probably your best offensive player not being in the game, does that force this offense to say, you know what, we need to get back to what everyone's been calling for our our identity to be. We have one of the best offensive lines in football. Yeah, the Bucs can stop the run, but we completely dominated the line of scrimmage back in week three, rushing for over 200 yards in that game. Do they commit to the running game because they don't have A.J. Brown? Do they have a more balanced attack because they don't have A.J. Brown? Because we've seen it all season, and rightfully so at times, they do try to force the ball to A.J. Brian Johnson said as much in one of his press conferences. We have to force him the ball. He's that good of a player. So now when you eliminate that player, not saying it makes your offense better because it doesn't, but does it force them to be a little bit more balanced, commit to the run, And I think that's the way they win this football game. They have to win the time of possession battle. Their defense stinks. So you have to do whatever you can do to keep your defense on the sidelines as much as possible. That's the silver lining I'm taking from this. But no, I don't have faith in Quez Watkins. And I mean, how ridiculous we can get away from last week's game. But ridiculous it is that Quez Watkins is posting after the game 
pictures of himself scoring a touchdown in a meaningless week eight game. But yeah, I'm no faith in Quez. Hey, Quez didn't have a picture to post all year. He finally had one. He took advantage of it and said, Hey, look, I did score. Yeah, I'm still capable of scoring. Yeah. I, I don't have a problem with his, his posting of pictures. I have a problem with his game and his talent level and the fact that he's not going to be able to replace AJ Brown. Well, Bill Colorado, I hope you're right. I'm not 100% sure that the Nick Sirianni offense, which he continues to tell us is offense, in attempt to pr uh, protect Brian Johnson, he's taken some bullets here and said, it's all about me. It's my offense. I might not be calling the plays in the moment during the game, but this is an offense we come up with collectively, collaboratively during the week, and it is my offense. I don't know if the Nick Sirianni offense will go that route. Last year when they made that decision, not last year, excuse me, two years ago, uh, when Nick was just taking over as head coach, and very early on they struggled, and he said, you know, I'm not doing a job as the head coach. I'm so in tune with the play calling and the offense, and I'm ignoring the defense. Let me turn the play calling over to Shane Steichen. And Shane Steichen had the nerve, and I don't think Shane Steichen's offense was as in lockstep as Brian Johnson's offense is in lockstep with Nick Sirianni. Uh, 45, how many runs do you think they're going to call tonight? They ran it great against this team week one, week two of the season. It was all uh, DeAndre Swift. This week, you got both DeAndre Swift and Kenny Gainwell, which two is better than one. And if they balance it correctly, I think it could be very effective. How many times do you think Brian Johnson is willing to call running plays tonight? Well, you go back to week three, they ran it 40 times. In that game, they averaged over five yards a carry. I think they gave Swift 16. I think Kenny G did get 14 carries. Hertz had 10. So they did run it 40 times in week three. But you know, I don't know how much they would commit to the run tonight. But I'm hoping at least 25 carries for our running backs. Because when I talk about running the football, I don't want to see designed runs to Jalen Hurts with no pass option built in. That, that's the thing that's puzzled me all year, Jody, is people talk about, well, Jalen Hurts clearly isn't healthy. You know, Jalen Hurts isn't running the ball as much. That's why the offense isn't as effective. But yet you look at some of these play calls, they're calling designed runs where there's no pass option built into the play. Case in point was the end of the Arizona Cardinals game when they get down to the 20 yard line back to back design runs to Hurts with no pass option. So when I talk about running the football, I don't necessarily care. If we see the final number at 30 or 40, if 15 of those carries are Jalen Hurts, I want our running backs to get at least 25 carries tonight. 15 for Swift, 10 for Kenny Gainwell, and I'll be happy. And, you know, I'm I'm okay. I, no, I should I gotta state this correctly. I have been okay with Jalen Hurts' designed running plays in 2022. He's very good at it. This year is just not as good. I don't know if it's injuries. I don't know if it's in tentativeness, but he's just not as effective a runner on designed run plays. You're right. But I so, felt like a lot of those, Jody, last year, and I have to go check the numbers, but I felt okay. like a lot of those runs last year were the RPO, where there was a pass option built in. So it made it hard on the defense. Whereas this season, I feel like a lot of these runs, there is no other option. It's just Jalen Hurts is going to run the football. And when you take that pass option away from him, it makes it a lot easier for the defense to stop them. But you you think he's running more straight uh, running plays this year than last year? I do. I think Not there's more. 
I think okay. there's more designed runs without the RPO. For whatever reason, they really have gotten away from it. I know teams have shut it down. I did the analysis a few weeks ago where the average yards per play was a lot less on the RPO this season. Teams are taking it away. I just like giving your quarterback the option that when he's rolling out, he has an option, hey, I can run or I can pull this ball and throw it. So we'll see tonight what they do. And, oh, by the way, I know this has no chance of happening, but I just put it away for future reference for next year going forward or wherever. Uh, The Green Bay Packers, um, with Jordan Love running their offense, ran under center about 75 to 80% of the time. They, they they have built an offense where it doesn't have to have the 22, 23, uh, 2022, 2023 NFL stamp on it. Everybody runs under the gun. Everything comes out of the gun. You never put your center, your quarterback under center. The Green Bay Packers do it just fine because they've determined that that's the best for their quarterback. And I got, I, I got to tell you, I was impressed. Jordan Love has a great drop back. He's quick. He gets to that seven step. He steps forward into his throws when he throws them because he plants that back foot and comes forward. So the whole, oh, you got to run out of the gun because everybody runs out of the gun in the National Football League. No, you don't. The Green Bay Packers didn't yesterday, and they marched it up and down the field against the Dallas Cowboys. Don't give me that garbage going forward. Maybe next year we'll see a little bit more of uh, the Eagles using Jalen Hurts under center. I doubt it. But I was impressed by the Green Bay Packers and what they did yesterday. Um, so they head down to Tampa tonight. Yeah, we're hoping they run the football a little bit more, more balance. Bill doesn't want any part of uh, Jalen Hurts' designated runs. The up and, and Dallas Goddard's got to step up tonight. Dallas Goddard said some peculiar things this week that maybe they let off the accelerator when they qualified for the playoffs and 10 and 1, and they took some teams for granted. It wasn't really all that uplifting a stance, but he was trying to come up with an explanation. How do you go from 10 and one to one and five? Uh, and I give him credit for at least trying, even though I didn't say anything I wanted to hear. Here's why don't we here tonight, Dallas? Six catches for 85 yards and a touchdown. Everything else we'll put aside. Effort, thought process, didn't give enough uh, preparation time for an opponent. You got no excuses. This is a playoffs. The team should be prepared. Dallas Goddard should be prepared. Do you think he can be a big part of their offense tonight? I do. And not only in the receiving game, which I'm hoping he has, but in the running game, because we know how good of a blocker Dallas Goddard is in the running game. So I really expect him to be a big part of the offense in both aspects. But I agree with you. If they can get him involved in the passing game, but what I want to see, and this is what I feel like has really lacked all season with Dallas Goddard is getting him the ball in space to allow him to pick up those yards after catch. It seems like every time they've thrown the ball to Goddard this year, it's they got him running laterally towards the sidelines. The play doesn't work. They run those bubble screens. I'd like to see him get the ball in the middle of the field, design some plays to get him in space because he's so tough to bring down when he gets the ball in his hand. So expecting a big game from Dallas Goddard. I think they need it. Running game, passing game. Goddard's got to step up big tonight. You're right. He does. And I like your thought process. Use the middle of the field. The only thing that gives me pause and concern there is Tampa is another one of these teams that actually have linebackers that can play. Not so And safeties, too, with Antoine Winfield Jr. He's pretty good. 
right uh in both coverage and his ability to blitz which oh by the way yeah the blitz is coming from every which way tonight you does know Todd Bowles blitz uh yes Todd <laughs> Bowles blitzes uh they have uh, a very aggressive defense maybe even more so than Wink Martindale. Everyone acknowledges Wink is the biggest blitzer in the National Football League. I think Bowles might actually even match him. Or maybe it's just this defensive iteration is better at it than the Giants' defense. But, yeah, the Eagles are going to have to have plays where you talk about Dallas Goddard, five yards off the line of scrimmage, sit down right in the middle, make a catch, break a tackle, turn it upfield, maybe you move the sticks. That's something that the Eagles are going to have to try and do tonight. On offense – On defense, Billy C, not only are they, again, it's not as big a loss as A.J. Brown. Nothing can be as big as a loss of A.J. Brown. But uh, no Sidney Brown tonight. They're short on the the safety position to begin with. Um, This defense has basically cratered the last uh, month and a half of the season, starting with Sean Desai, following, if not picking up steam, with Matt Patricia taking over. What, what are you putting your hopeful eggs in what basket on the defensive side of the ball tonight that the Eagles can do something to turn around what has been a lame defensive effort for six or seven weeks? They have to get back to being able to stop the run. You, you look at this Bucks team. They are the worst rushing offense in the entire league. They finished the year 32 out of 32 NFL teams. Nice. And you go back to the first nine games of the year, the Eagles defense, they didn't do a lot of things well but they stopped the run really well. Number one in the NFL. They only let one team through the first nine games rush for over 100 yards. That was the commanders in overtime. But now you look at the last eight, every single opponent has rushed for over 100 yards. They have to stop the run against a bad rushing offense. Turn the Bucs offense into a one-dimensional offense. Stop them early. Get them in the third and long situations. We know how good Mike Evans is, Chris Godwin, another good wide receiver. But if you could take away the run early and put them in the third and long situations, hopefully they can get off the field. We know they've struggled on third down as well. But that's the key for me, man, is just stop the run. This team can't run the football. Take it away and make it a little bit easier on yourselves on third down. And oh, by the way, and I think this is going to be a non-story, but they're still listing Baker Mayfield as questionable which I don't quite understand. Either he's going to play or he's not going to play. And I think by the time we get to 8 o'clock and kickoff will be coming around, it'll be well known that Baker Mayfield's going to start. Is he going to finish? That would be nice, a little physicality. I know that they're waiting to throw flag to protect quarterbacks in the National Football League these days, but I'd like the Eagles' chances against Kyle Trask. That that would get me more <laughs> optimistic going into this game, getting a guy who's never had any true meaningful snaps, certainly nothing like a playoff game type, type snaps if uh, Baker Mayfield were to go out tonight. All right, he's Bill Calabrulo filling in for Johnny Mack today who's winging his way down to Tampa. We got our first guest up next, one of the best in the business when it comes to covering the Philadelphia Eagles. I check his website, Bleeding Green Nation, Every single morning before I hop on Birds 365, Brandon Lee Gatton, editor of uh, Bleeding Green Nation, joins us next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. 
Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Appreciate you streaming in here on Birds 365. Jody McDonald with Bill Calarulo today, and that is my friend, Brandon Lee Gowden from Bleeding Green Nation, hopping in with us today. Is it just a foregone conclusion the Eagles going to win because the Cowboys lost and all is well with the world, uh, Bill? Uh, we, we, we putting this in the psychic God's hands, BLG? I would say not a foregone conclusion that the Eagles, who are 1-5 in five and their last six games, are going to win any football game, but it certainly <laughs> does feel like things are a little bit brighter in the world with the Cowboys losing. Yeah, it does. And you just mentioned one in five in the last six. I can't remember a time that we were getting ready for a playoff game and the vibe has been this bad in the city. Can you? It just doesn't feel like it's the playoffs right now. No, um, the Eagles haven't been enjoyable to watch. So I don't blame anyone who's thinking like, I don't really, I'm not getting excited to watch this team because they have not been a good product. It's not just that they're losing. It's that they're not playing smart, good football, and a, a good aesthetic um, it's been a season for as, uh, 
despite the fact they have 11 wins, hasn't been particularly enjoyable and filled with these uh, fun highlight moments. I would argue that maybe the Cowboys loss to the Packers yesterday was one of the highlights of this Eagles season. Um, So I get it. I feel justified in asking this question because yesterday on WIP, uh, both the caller and my partner, uh, Glenn Macknow, were bemoaning the fact that the Eagles had a tough schedule this year, that other teams had that extra two days off a Thursday night game. Stop! The schedule was the schedule. You got to play it. And it was laid out early, easy, a tough stretch in the middle, supposedly easy late. We know that didn't quite pan itself out. So uh, because they were so motivated by uh, pointing out extra time. Does playing on Monday night help the Eagles at all? That one extra day, does that give them a little bit more time to play? Maybe a little bit more time to get their mind clear if it's an advantage, how big or how little, if at all? I think it helps a little bit from a standpoint of, you know, Jalen Hurts gives him an extra day. We'll see if Reed Blinkenship, who's supposed to be a game time decision, maybe he has a better chance of playing on tonight as opposed to he would have on uh, Sunday. So it could help a little bit. But, um, yeah, I don't don't think the schedule is a great uh, place to start when it comes to uh, looking at what has totally gone wrong for this team. Um, There's a lot of bigger issues. Agreed. I'm going to ask you about a player that I know is going to get Jody all excited, and that's Derek Barnett. You saw (laughs) Derek Barnett on Saturday make some plays in the Houston Texans game, and immediately on Twitter, people are ripping Nick Sirianni, the Mm -hmm. Eagles coaching staff. And my position on this is you cannot blame Nick Sirianni for Derek Barnett. This guy was in the Eagles organization since 2017. He's played for three different defensive coordinators, five different position coaches. He finished his Eagles career with more penalties than he had sacks. Maybe the mistake was bringing him back this year, but I don't Mm -hmm. think moving on from him when they did was Nick Sirianni's fault. This guy had proven he couldn't play in the Eagles organization. What's your take on what we're seeing from Derek Barnett now? Yeah, I actually agree with that. I mean, I've seen (laughs) bemoaning that the Texans are using him better or whatever. I mean, scheme doesn't explain all the dumb penalties that we saw for years like that doesn't go like that so what's the excuse for that i think the reality is sometimes players need a change of scenery to really jumpstart their careers and that's unfortunate because you would love for that player to be able to produce for you i think sometimes it takes going to a new place new coaching staff new city whatever uh shedding the label of expectations of being a former first round pick and now just being a guy that the texans picked up off the scrap heap uh totally takes the pressure off a human being so i think it's a matter of the eagles did an acceptable thing i mean he was not playing well for this team he had I, I think it was one sack and four quarterback hits in his previous 17 games with the Eagles. He wasn't doing anything. He was getting hurt a lot, too. Uh, he was committing dumb penalties. As Even this year, even though he wasn't playing as much, that was happening during the Jets game. Nick Sirianni was ready to chew him out at one point on the sideline there. So I absolutely do not begrudge the Eagles for moving on from him. Now, I will say... I don't think they had a good enough of a backup plan to handle the edge rush rotation. They could have used another body there. So that part certainly hurt them, but I can't fault them for moving on from Derek Burnett. What do you mean they don't have enough at the defensive end rotation? Isn't this the breakout game for Nolan Smith? He's just been waiting for the playoffs, BLG. Come on, Nolan Smith, four pressures, two sacks tonight. I got the under on that. You too? He had a big quarterback hit in that first Bucks game. Uh, you know, look, maybe Nolan Smith would be more advanced 
at this point in the season, had he been playing from the jump and taking some of those Derek Barnett snaps, and the Eagles actually, you know, made a better effort to develop him, and that goes with some other rookies as well. Maybe they could be at a more advanced stage late in the season. So, uh, not expecting huge things, but uh, they should have done a better job of playing him this year. You're talking about that that D line. Let's stay there for a second. Not just the edge, but the D tackles as well, and the linebackers play a part in this also, but. The Eagles' defense was so good against the run the first nine games of the season, holding teams on average to 66 yards. And now you look at the last eight games, and they're getting dominated in the running game. One, what do you think is going on? And two, do you think they get that fixed tonight against a bad rushing offense for the Bucs? Yeah, I think early in the season, part of that was just because the Eagles were – uh, so starkly better against the run than they were against the pass. The teams weren't even really trying to run on them, so that explains some of that. And as soon as teams realize that, oh, we can have success with this, um, they heavily leaned into that, including the Cardinals game, and we obviously uh, saw how that turned out. So um, there's obviously been injuries and stuff in there too. I think the defensive line has run out of gas to some extent. Um, so there's, there's been a, a uh, I think a number of reasons why that's been the case, but it absolutely is a big concern heading into this matchup because in that first Bucks game, they weren't even really trying to run the ball early in the season. And now I think they're absolutely going to test the Eagles run defense out tonight. Yeah. Rashad White has picked up his game plenty for Tampa. They, they may have finished 32nd, but they're closer 32nd than they were. They're running it better than they were early in the year. Um, you mentioned Reed Blankenship, and we won't know probably till game time whether he's a go or not, uh, but he did not practice all week. What are they going to do with safety? Are they going to get creative and move Avante Maddox back there? I don't know about you, BLG, but I think that's one of the main downfalls of the defense all year was them not having defensive replacements in position ready to go, moving guys around, asking them to play positions they don't usually place play. They're going to do that again tonight in a playoff game. And at the, when Devontae Maddox just got back and, oh, by the way, hadn't played all that well since he got back. Yeah, let's put him in a new position. How are they going to handle it if Reed Blankenship can't go? It's been a dire situation because it's, first of all, pretty rare when a player doesn't practice at all and then plays. We saw it with Fletcher Cox earlier this year. It can happen, but it's pretty rare. So we'll see if Blankenship's able to go or not. And even if he is, like you kind of alluded to before I got on here with Baker Mayfield, is he going to be able to make it through the game, even if he does suit up? Um, mm -hmm. So I do think we'll see Maddox back there at some point, even if Blankenship plays, maybe it's not a deal where he's able to play 100% of the snaps. So there could be a rotation going on there. And Avante Maddox obviously has injury issues as well, uh, not to mention playing out of position. So at that point, you're looking you know, at like Makai Garner or... Uh, I don't know, will they put Bradley Roby back there? Will they experiment with that? It's it's not looking great. Um, it's it's a like I said, it's a dire situation. Let's talk about this Bucks team for a second. So you mentioned how bad the Eagles have been. One and five in the last six. You look at the Bucks, five and one in the last six. Eagles are a negative eight turnover differential in their list last six games. Bucks are a plus five. <laughs> Eagles are a negative 59 point differential. Bucks are a plus 38, but then we look at week 18 and they barely beat the Panthers only winning that game nine, nothing. How good are the Bucks right now? Yeah, I don't think very good at all. <laughs> and that's not to say the Eagles are better, but I just, I watched that Panthers game, the entirety of that Bucks Panthers game. And first of all, it was an awful watch. That game felt like it took forever because that was just some really bad football going on. 
And as crazy as it sounds, that 9-0 game was a lot closer than it looked. And really, um, the Panthers were not that far off in being able to win that game with the touchdown that got taken away at the goal line there with the forced fumble. Mm-hmm. And then the other touchdown that got called back on a illegal formation penalty, I believe. that not, The penalty had nothing to do with the, uh, in, the outcome of the play. It wasn't like a holding call where, oh, that, that hold sprung the big run. No, that just happened to be a really bad um, formation issue there. So, yeah, I mean, I specifically watching Baker too in that game. I thought there were multiple times where clean pocket, um, great route by the receiver and just sails the throw just clearly isn't healthy. Doesn't look right. So, um, I think that's an opportunity for the Eagles to take advantage of is the fact that the quarterback might have some throws that are there to be made that he just isn't healthy enough to make right now. BLG. I asked Bill about this in the first segment. Now I got to ask you kind of the elephant in the room. Eagles will not have A.J. Brown tonight. In other words, Eagles will not have their best football player tonight. Mm-hmm. He can't be replaced. There is no one on this team who can come close to replacing him and do what he does. How do you get around that? How do you you, you find different ways? You're not just going to plug Quez Watkins in and go, say, go, have, go, go, go give us an A.J. Brown game, Quez. Uh, how will the offense change do things differently get different looks to be able to uh, minimize the loss of aj brown for this game well you would think they're going to run the football a decent amount considering the success they had with that last time with deandre swift and look they gave deandre swift week 18 off so he should be ready to go and should be ready and it's a playoffs he should be ready for a big workload no reason not to ride him at this point so i expect a lot of deandre swift and yeah, I get it. You don't have AJ Brown, but you still have Devontae Smith. You still have Dallas Goddard, who, where's he been? And I don't think it's just his fault. I think they haven't done a good enough job of forcing targets to him, getting the ball to him. So I think with all of that, um, you should still have enough. You can mix in Alameda Ezekiel, you can mix in Julio Jones, you can mix in Quez Watkins, but you know, the big three of Devontae, Goddard, and Swift, that should be enough still to be able to win this game. You go back to that week three game, and even though the Eagles put up over 470 yards, they only scored 25 points. You put up 470, you would think you'd be putting up over 30 easily, but it's because they were one for five in the red zone. And you look at this Bucks defense, they give up a lot of yards in the air, but they don't give up a lot of points, and it's because they do have a top three red zone defense. What makes them so good in the red zone, and what do the Eagles need to do? You mentioned Dallas Goddard. Should he be a big target in the red zone tonight? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Todd Bowles is, is I think, you know, flawed as a head coach. There's some things that are left uh, to be desired there in terms of game management and whatnot, aggressiveness. But, you know, as a defensive coordinator, we've obviously seen him have a lot of success. He's a great mm-hmm. defensive mind. And specifically as it relates to the Eagles, at least in the last time uh, these two teams played in the playoffs, where you know the Eagles were on a roll going into the postseason that year. They had really found their identity with the run game, and Jalen Hurts was making progress um, in the second half of his first year as a full-time starter. And all of a sudden, the Eagles go down to Tampa, and they're blanked 31-0 to zero when that game is uh, in the fourth quarter at that point. So certainly, you know, I think his, you know, the, the, the Bucks are going to test the Eagles. They're going to blitz <laughs> because the Eagles can't seem to handle that at all and even figure out what's going on there. And yeah, I mean, it, it's going to come down to 
being able to execute in the red zone. I think the Eagles have gotten better there as the course of the season has gone on. They were worse to begin the year. Um, so I think there is some hope for them in that regard. Um, but, you know, look, it's going to be a, a Bucks defense that's also probably a little bit healthier than the last time that the Eagles played them. So it should be a tougher challenge. If the Eagles correctly assume that the Bucks are going to blitz and they're going to come from every different direction, uh, how do you attack that? I'm going to throw a couple things at you, BLG. I need you to rank them for me. Hot reads to <laughs> wide receivers. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of it, but maybe they got it in this week. Uh, bubble screens. Yeah, that's worked real well for the Eagles this year. Um, and or max protect. Mm -hmm. And if you go max protect, does that mean extra tight end and you keep him in the block? or you keep the back in the block, how do you think, what will be their main way of handling what we assume is going to be a very aggressive Tampa blitz? Well, I think what they should do and how what they might do are two could be two different things, but I think okay. what, what the, they will do is try to get aggressive against it, I think, at certain times and, and take those shots and use those opportunities to maybe take shots down the field. Um I think what they should do more of, you know, is give the quarterback some easier answers. I think it's also on the quarterback to be fair here too. I'm not saying Jalen Hurts is totally skirting blame to recognize the blitz before the snap. And maybe um, if he's being given the authority at the line of scrimmage, like Nick Sirianni talked about, he is specifically as it relates to the end of that Seahawks game where Jalen Hurts and AJ Brown, uh, you know, audible to a play that really shouldn't have been the play in that instance. Then if Jalen Hurts has that kind of control, he should also have the control to recognize the blitz and check to something that will not be totally ineffective against it. Like it was against the giants, especially going up against the team where, you know, that's what they're going to do. So we talked earlier about how the, the vibe isn't the same as it normally is going into the playoffs. Week three, Eagles fans took over Raymond James Stadium. Oh, yeah. In a normal playoff game, I would have expected to see a bunch of green down there tonight. Yeah. What do you think? You think a lot of fans made the trip? That's a great question. I don't I don't know because you know it's this is really lacking juice for a playoff game at the same time i just think eagle fans kind of tend to travel well by default but between the state of the team and it might rain down there too you have to consider you're going to be out in the rain um i don't know i don't know if it's going to be the same kind of uh amped up level that you usually see at an eagles road game and i commented on this yesterday on wip social media you always see on twitter or instagram the people getting on the plane, the E-A-G-L-E-S mm. chant down there. I haven't seen one, not one, <laughs> Friday true. or Saturday or Sunday of a uh, group shot going down to Tampa, so we'll see. And, Bill, you're right. That sounded like an Eagle home game when they played down there at Tampa earlier in the mm -hmm. season. So uh, it will be interesting to see how the crowd plays tonight. All right, how's it going to play after the game, BLG? Where mm. Bill's got enough optimism for both of us. He's carrying my – uh coat today on I'll that trend. Uh <laughs> if if they don't win, sorry to say, Eagle fan. I'm not mm -hmm. I'm not wishing it on them. I'm not officially picking against them yet. Yet. Um but if they don't win, how is Nick Sirianni's job status? Well, I think there's enough, you know, buzz out there that it's not as simple as, well, this guy's been to the playoffs three straight years in a row. And how could you possibly fire him? I mean, if you finish the season what, one and six at that point when you had a golden opportunity in front of you for at least the two seed? And really, if you, you know, were the same kind of team you were earlier in the area, you very well could have been the one seed still. Um, to blow that 
and to go into this playoff game and to lose to Baker Mayfield. This is this is a team, obviously, in the Bucks that's outperformed expectations, but going into the year, everyone thought this would be one of the worst teams in the NFL, potentially mm-hmm. the worst, and definitely not, you know, one of the best quarterback situations going on there. So um to to, to end the season like that, I just think that's incredibly disappointing. And to me, what Nick Sirianni's future should be determined by is not what he's done. It should not be his resume. It should be what is his plan for the Eagles moving forward. And if he doesn't have a good plan, just like the Eagles were found themselves in the situation with Doug Peterson back, um, you know, because remember they thought they were going to, or at least they, it was said that they were going to bring back Doug mm-hmm. and Doug had his end of year press conference. And then he has that meeting with Jeffrey Lurie and, and Lurie decides that he doesn't like the direction that, Doug is taking the team in. So I think it's going to be not exactly the same thing, but kind of a similar situation where at the after the season, Nick is going to have to have a talk with Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman and really sell them on a plan to fix things moving forward. And, and Jody asked you about Sirianni. Let's talk about another team near and dear to our hearts that may be looking for a head coach, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. Mike McCarthy gets embarrassed last night in AT&T Stadium. Jerry Jones clearly not happy. Do you think the Cowboys are going to make a move at the head coaching position? And if they do, some chatter, it could be Bill Belichick. What's your thoughts on that? I don't think it's off the table. I mean, that that speaking of blowing things, I mean, things could not have worked out more favorably for the Cowboys, pretty much. I mean, I'm short of getting the one seed for them to benefit from that call, obviously, at the end of the Lions game, which is huge. And to get the two seed with the Eagles collapsing, to get the Packers as opposed to the Rams. I know a lot of Cowboys fans who did not want to see the Rams come down to AT&T Stadium. They, they wanted the Packers. So to get the first seven seed to ever win a playoff game, the Cowboys are the first uh, two seed to never make it to the divisional round. Like this is an epic level of failure, and I, I absolutely think that's on the table. I, I don't even think it's just Bill Belichick, although obviously that's you know going to be a top name. I, I think that Cowboys might look at this and wonder, uh, you know, what's our ceiling here? And again, just to to get blown out in that game too, to, for never to even be close when you've been like unstoppable at home. That's that's a really alarming and terrible loss for them. I I wanted you to take your eagle-colored glasses off. I know you're the editor of Bleeding Green Nation, <laughs> but you got to put the green aside and just give me Brandon Lee Gowton, the football analyst, answer on this one because I got a different answer than I was thinking last night on my show on CBS Sports Radio. If Bill Belichick has the choice of being the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles or the Dallas Cowboys, which is a better play for Belichick? Hmm. I think that's very, it's a good question. I think it's, it's more complicated than it might seem in terms of, it's not just about the roster. I think it's about the structure of the organization. And it is a little bit hard for me to, to see, you know, Bill Belichick loving Jerry Jones speaking to the media all the time. Like that, does that really seem like something he would enjoy in the kind of structure of the organization that like, that's, just, that does not seem like that to me. Um, so I would almost think the Eagles from a standpoint of, you know, Jeffrey Lurie and Robert Kraft have a relationship. Jeffrey Lurie is obviously from Boston, grew up a Patriots fan. I think there there could be more of a mutual reverence there and a connection there and an understanding. Now, obviously, there's the Howie Roseman factor. I don't know quite how to parse that. But ultimately, I think uh, and I, I can't speak to Jerry Jones relationship with Bill Belichick. I don't know anything about that. But um, I, I think that's not an insignificant factor is how ownership factors in.
I had Gary Myers on my CBS show last night, and we were parsing this. Uh, could Belichick end up down in Dallas? So I asked him about, well, if he had a choice. for, And he said Dallas would be a better position for Belichick, which surprised me. I, I'm kind of with you. I'm not sure that you can fit the egos of both Belichick and Jerry Jones into that 90,000-seat stadium that they got down there. It's a big building, but that's two big egos. I don't know that they could coexist. And he said that it was surprising. He said that Bill Parcells would recommend to Belichick to work for Jerry Jones. Because mm-hmm. even though Parcells only did four years there, Parcells lost the desire to coach. It wasn't because he couldn't get along with Jerry and or thought Jerry was uh, hindering him. And his, he just he lost his edge and said, mm-hmm. I don't want to do this anymore. So he said that he thinks that Jerry and, and Bill mm-hmm. would be OK together. I, I'm sorry. I'm just not buying it. I, I don't see that marriage working between the two. Now, Howie and Bill Belichick, I'm not sure that that marriage is going to work either. So I don't know that Belichick's a great uh, spot for either one of them. All right, BLG, if not Bill Belichick, if Nick Sirianni goes in and flubs the dub on his postseason interview after losing to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and uh, the owner says, you know, we got to do this again. We got to pull a plug on a coach. Where are they going, if not Belichick? What do you think the Eagles will be looking for in their next head coach if it's not Nick Sirianni? I would tend to think that, you know, this isn't a situation where the Eagles are viewing it like it was after Doug, where we need to kind of reset and restart the clock here, and we're looking for an up-and-coming coach that we know can kind of grow. That's not where this roster is. This roster is ready to win now. I think if you're looking at this roster and saying that, you know, the Eagles coaching staff has gotten less out of more, which I think is very fair to say, then I think you're looking for a coach who can kind of hit the ground running and take this thing over and be the solution. And, you know, you're not resetting as much as you're just trying to really give this team a shot in the arm and a boost. So, you know, I would tend to think it's not, you know, an up-and-comer as much as it is someone more established. Now, that's never really been how Jeffrey Lurie does it. He's not hiring retreads over here. He's, he's not hiring guys with head coaching experience at the NFL level, really. So um, it would be very different than what he's ever done. But I think he would have to kind of be in that mold. So obviously you would say Bill Belichick if that's, you know, if possible. Um, I like Mike Gravel a lot. I don't know that they would go that route. But I think you would have to be someone who's already established as opposed to, uh, you know, again, this total newcomer. And, and Jody asked you about Belichick. My, my opinion on Belichick would be not – could he work with Jerry Jones or Howie Roseman? If I'm Belichick, I'm 72 years old. I just learned the hard way what it's like to not have a franchise quarterback. I don't care how good of a coach you are in the NFL. You can't overcome not having good quarterback play. Even Belichick couldn't survive it. So I think his next destination is going to be which quarterback does he believe in? There's a lot of chatter about him and the Atlanta Falcons. I wouldn't go to the Falcons. I don't think right. Desmond Ritter's the answer. I don't think Dak Prescott's the answer. So I think the L.A. Chargers make the most sense. I think Herbert is a great quarterback. Whether or not they have mutual interest, we'll see. But I think would Bill Belichick come to the Eagles would be, does he believe in Jalen Hurts? But, you know, we're talking about is Sirianni's job safe? And one of the things that I think Jeffrey Lurie would have to do if they lose this game would be to sit down with Jason Kelsey, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, and say, hey, what the hell is going on with that locker room? What's going on with Sirianni? And my question for you is those three guys, 
three guys who have played more games in Philadelphia than any Eagles players in history. They're now going to be the top three. Mm. Are they coming back next year? Hmm. It's <laughs> that's crazy. It's crazy to think that might not be the case just because of, like you said, how uh, essential they are to this franchise. But I mean, I think Lane Johnson is going to give it another go. He's still playing at a high level. He's, you know, he, he watched Jason, how long Jason Peters went into his career. I'm not saying he'll also go that long, but I think Lane Johnson knows he can still play. Um, Jason Kelsey, it feels like this should be time because, you know, I don't, I don't know what more is left for him. At the same time, he's still playing at an all pro level. So how right. does he walk? Literally. <laughs> yeah. Like, how do you walk away from that? Obviously, the answer is easy when you have a budding podcast empire and you have options outside of football for you, unlike a lot of players do. Um, Brandon Graham, I guess, maybe might be the most likely from that group just because his playing time has gone down. And I, th- I think he said he's wanted to get to uh, this point about in his career, 35 or so. So he might hang him up. Um, but but yeah, that's that's another huge Fletch? thing. Fletch, uh, Fletch, too. I think Fletch, Fletch is having a really good year. I think. I think. How old are you? I don't, I don't know if. Um, you know, he'll be a free agent. So I don't know if the Eagles already signed him. Potentially the Jets came hard after him last year. Maybe another team will give him more money, but I, I think he will still be playing too. And a lot of these decisions will be made with the big trade, not laying he's locked up, but Kelsey is salary related. Fletcher is salary related. BLG's going to, if BLG wants to come back on a below average market deal, I think they'll bring him back if he wants to play right. again, but right. They're going to have to do it on the Eagles' dime because the Jalen contract starts to go up. you got to pay Devontae Smith. They're not going to have a lot of cap space to overpay the trenches, which is where the Eagles oftentimes do overpay. We'll see if that's the way it shakes out this year, but it could very well be. You need to, That's one of the reasons. Because Bill Conorulo says they can win is reason number one, and number two is it might be the last of BLG, uh, BG, the other BG, the other BLG. Um uh, Fletcher Cox and, and Jason Kelsey playing their final game. All right. Uh, anything else in the playoff weekend? Grab your attention. Um, Bobby Slowick had a big game for the Texans. Uh, he's a young offensive mind who maybe the Eagles would have some eyes on if uh, Sirianni were to move. Uh, the thing that I loved about this, all right, I'll go off on a 30-second rant here. Um, the reason why I loved the Texans game, and I did pick the Texans, was certain myths were shot down. Ohio State quarterbacks can't play. How's that C.J. Stroud doing? Yeah, well, you can't take an Ohio State quarterback, idiots. Um, the the fact that, oh, the C2 test, the cognitive mm. test, you can't draft him in the top two. He, he can't uh, run a joystick, idiots. Uh, and number three, um, the whole line of thinking, you got to have a boy genius offensive coordinator as head coach. No, you don't. If you got D'Amico Ryans, who hires a good offensive coordinator like Bobby Sloick, you can win in the National Football League. It doesn't. Oh, you got to have the next McVay. Everybody's looking for the next McVay. I think that's a load of crap. Um, Bobby Slowick, uh, again, first chance as an offensive coordinator, comes from the Shanahan tree. Is he a guy who you think will be in the coaching carousel mix? And would that be a guy who that would more fit the profile of the kind of guy that Jeff Lloyd would hire to be the head coach of the Eagles? Would he not be? In theory, yeah. It's offensive innovation, I think is important to Jeffrey Lurie on Stroud. I just want to say that I thought it was incredible that um, he's the first quarterback since Mark Sanchez in 2009 
uh, to win a playoff game as a rookie against a starter who has playoff experience. Um, that's that's pretty impressive. It's not easy for rookies to win in the playoffs, even harder for them to do it when they're going up against quarterbacks who have been there before. So really impressive showing for him. And to your point, you know, obviously Bobby Slowick being a part of that and helping him. Um, Texans were were very much cooking <laughs> that, that team. So, uh, yeah, I mean, again, I, I just think going back to the up-and-comer thing and and I think the 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 lack of experience there might be a hurdle although if there's an exception I think it would be Lurie looking at something where he's seeing uh an up-and-comer where offensive innovation is paramount and maybe he just really believes in that kind of thinking or mentality that that coach has Mm -hmm. but um uh yeah it's the problem I know you just mentioned the offensive mind coach, you could have a defensive coach like D'Amico Ryan's only problem for me, Jody is he's not going to have him next year. Most likely. So that's what I don't like about when you have a defensive head coach and you hire a really good offensive coordinator, you're probably going to lose him if your offense has success, which Mm -hmm. we just saw happen with Sirianni, but this is Sirianni's offense as he likes to tell us all the time. But let's talk about the coordinators, Brandon, regardless of what happens tonight, if they were to lose next week in the divisional round, are we looking for two new coordinators again next year? You would think. You would think. Uh, I don't think it's impossible that they would give Patricia a full offseason. I would not do that. I don't think that's a good move to do, but I don't think it's impossible. I think they might try to say that, well, he didn't really have time to in- install his scheme or system, which is ridiculous because if you wanted that, you could have just made him your defensive coordinator instead of hiring Sean Desai. Uh, and not do this half measure thing that they have done in, in the past and did in this case um, with Brian Johnson. I mean, it's a little hard to for the sell of it to be like Nick Sirianni, this is my offense, but we're firing Brian Johnson and we're going to hire someone else uh, and they're going to call the plays. So um, what I would almost like to see if Sirianni is going to be back and not because I think he's demonstrated a great ability to do this, because clearly that was an issue early on in his first season. But I would like to see him call the plays in part because, you know, take ownership of this thing, just like Mike McCarthy did in Dallas. And that obviously worked out well for the Cowboys in the regular season, not so much in the playoffs. But uh, I think you kind of need to eliminate any kind of nebulous, you know, whose fault is this? Just Nick Sirianni should put it on himself and either, you know, fail or succeed with that. Yeah, I suggested this week, as a matter of fact, that Sirianni should call the plays for the game here in the playoffs. But you want him to do it next year? I asked uh, when McMullen's here with me, he and I agree on this. We're both fans of CEO coaches and coaches who don't call plays on mm-hmm. either the offense. I think is the best setup if you've got it. Now, you have to have the right coordinators in place to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they did this year. You'd rather have Nick call the plays than have faith that you can go out and get a better offensive quarter than Brian Johnson, huh? I mean, I, I think I would rather be looking for a new head coach if I'm going with my preference, but I'm okay. saying if Sirianni's back, I just I think he needs to take more ownership of everything ultimately and make it clear that, because my question is, you know, what is Nick Sirianni bringing to the table? That's what I kind of struggle to really answer in terms of value. I think it's more about, you know, this why this team has won this year has more been about the talent of the roster than it has being a well-coached team by and large. So I really need to see what he is bringing to the table. It's funny you ask that because what I always thought Sirianni brought to the table over the last three years was how strong of a culture 
he built. It looked like right. this culture was so good. And now you're starting to see cracks in that mm-hmm. foundation with leaks from the locker room and drama going on. Jalen Hurts saying things at press conferences that he has to backpedal on, not being committed. A.J. Brown refusing to talk to the media. So I agree with you. It starts to question, well, what exactly does Sirianni do? But he was so bad at calling plays. I mean, you go back to 2021 when they started out two and five right before that flower speech. I remember going on my podcast and saying Nick Sirianni is the worst play caller I've ever seen. (laughs) And then Brian Johnson says, hold my beer. But we know how much the Eagles love their analytics and they love their numbers. Is there a scenario where this leadership group convinces themselves when they look at the final stats and you look at the 2023 numbers top 10 in almost every single offensive category outside of passing yards top 10 do they look at that and say okay the offense wasn't as bad as a lot of people are saying it is yeah I think it's it's not that it's been a a, a dreadful you know terrible offense certainly when you compare it to the rest of the league which is important context but I think it's about you know how did this offense perform to its talent level and could you see this offense being better reasonably? Um, and and also, like, who got better? Uh, I mean, A.J. Brown took another step. Okay. But, like, who really on offense is, is really getting better here? And can you say the coaches have done more with less? And do the players feel that way? I, I don't think so. I don't think the players are feeling like, hey, I'm being maximized here. And then the coaches are really helping me out and making my job even easier. I don't. I don't get that sense. So um, at the end of the day, I think that's what it's all about. I think that's what players care about. I think players like Nick, the personality, I think they respect him. But at the end of the day, I don't know if they feel like he is making them better. Yeah, top 10 offensive production doesn't cut it when you've got top five talent. I, I know it's, oh, they're in the top 10. But they're supposed to be in the top five. So mm-hmm. I'm not as impressed with the offense as some others are. All right, last thing for you, BLG, for me. What sleigh we getting tonight? <laughs> um, it's time for the the big play sleigh. I would say uh, after, especially after this layoff, and uh, it seems like he could have been able to play maybe in week eighteen had the Eagles truly needed to win that game because the Eagles, you know, didn't put him on IR when they, you know, he had his knee surgery. So he's had time here. He was a full participant in practice all week. Um. They need him to be really to come up big. I mean, this you talked about the turnover differential earlier, Bill. I mean, they part of that is not only because the Eagles have been not protecting the ball, it's because they they can't make big plays or they haven't made big plays. And maybe the guy who insists on being called big play should make one. Very true. All right, BLG, we need you on the record. Will we be talking about a Sunday matchup against the Detroit Lions during the week? Or will it be all coaching changes all the time as the Philadelphia sports narrative over the next upcoming five or six days? I think the Eagles win this game. And uh, it's not just because it's not because like, oh, I just have faith in this team. I think they're going to turn it around. I think it's because the playoffs are weird, as we've seen, and crazy things can happen that aren't expected. I think it's because the Bucks aren't all that great. And I think it's because... Uh, if you're not already frustrated with the Eagles, they could potentially make it more frustrating by squeaking by in this game. You talk yourselves into them going to Detroit, and then things kind of go ugly there. You got to check out his website, Bleeding Green Nation. If you're any kind of an Eagles fan, the attached podcast and the like, you get great Eagle coverage at Bleeding Green Nation. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. From my guy, BLG, Brandon again. Brandon, enjoy the game tonight. Thanks for jumping in with us today. Thanks, guys. Have a good one, man. BLG, Brandon Lee Gowden here with us on Birds 365. All right, we come back. Got a couple more things I got to run by Bill. In uh, our final hour, uh, we will go behind enemy lines. They like to give you at least one Tampa slot uh, upcoming opponent each and every single week. Uh, J.C. Allen from um, got a new outlet, Bucks Game Days, writing for these days. A uh, good guy. We've had him here on uh, Birds 365 before when the Eagles have been playing the Bucks. So uh, J.C. Allen's going to join us coming up in uh, hour number two. But we'll come back and uh, get set for uh, J.C.'s appearance in just a couple. Birds fans, here's your chance to serve up, save up to 40%. Save up to 40% on your car insurance right now from one of Jacob Sports' great partners. Here's what you do. Call managing partner Jim or Fran and tell them you're a friend of Jacob Sports and Birds 365. Hi, I'm Jim Neilbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds!
Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Colorado. In with me, Jenny McDonald here on Birds 365. Johnny Mac taking off for uh, Tampa as we speak. And oh, by the way, it's cold down there in Tampa. Not as cold as it is up here. I was out walking the dog this morning. Man, winter has arrived. You're lucky. You haven't gotten any real snow yet, but that's supposed to come this week. There'll be a lot. Yeah, you missing the snow? You want to see the snow? You want a little preview of the snow? Watch the Bills game today at uh, 4.30. They've been digging out a feet of snow for the last 24 hours up there. But we get back-to-back NFL games, which is perfectly fine with me. A three-on-one day is is uh, not perfect, but two-two-and-two two worked out perfectly as far as I was concerned. Uh, the Bills have a major advantage at home. And again, see, here's why I keep coming back to A.J. Brown. And I'm sorry I'm not as optimistic as Bill today, folks. I just can't get back past the fact that they're not going to be able to replace A.J. Brown. And I don't have faith that a top 10 offense, which should be a top five offense, as we noted last segment, doesn't really have a secondary plan or a plan B. And I know they ran the ball as effectively as they did against the Bucs way back in September. September's a long time ago now. And this Eagle team isn't as good. And this Bucs team has gotten better. I just think it's a bad matchup. Same thing for Pittsburgh today. They're up against it in that they're playing on Buffalo's home field. Josh Allen is an all-weather quarterback. I'm a Mason Rudolph guy, but I don't know that he's going to go out and keep up what he's been doing the last couple of weeks. No T.J. Watt, no shot. 
Plain, simple. They, they don't have to analyze it any more than that. When he doesn't play, they lose. When he plays, they've got a much better chance to win. Tell me why A.J. Brown isn't going to have that same effect on tonight's game, Bill. No, there's no denying. I mean, A.J. Brown is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. He's not a guy that you can replace. I think I'm hoping that maybe we learn that Brian Johnson and Nick Sirianni are a little bit more creative than they've been for 18 weeks. I mean, that's what it's really going to come down to. They're going to have to get creative with the offense. They're going to have to make plays for some other players. We're going to have to lean on Dallas Goddard, like you mentioned earlier. DeAndre Swift has to have a big game. And don't forget, Devontae Smith is doing this football team. And that's a big thing that a lot of other teams don't have. Most teams have a wide receiver one, and then there's a huge drop-off to the next guy. Devontae Smith has the capability. Now, I'm hoping he's healthy. He practiced full all week. We know he was battling the ankle injury. But Devontae Smith could step up and have a really big game for this Eagles team tonight. But, you know, I still hang my hat on the fact that they're not going to win this game in the air. They're going to win this game on the ground. That is the formula for winning. I know the Bucs are good against the run. Top five defense against the run. But every single person on that offensive line was either a pro bowler or a pro bowl alternate. Now, pro bowl is kind of ridiculous these days, but still, it just goes to show how good that offensive line is. So I don't care who's alongside them. I don't care who the defense is in front of them. They should be able to run the football against anybody with the offensive line they have. Another reason why I'm subscribing to your theory, and GMAC and I said the same thing on WIP yesterday, not holding up placards down at the Eagles complex, but I too think they need to run the ball plenty in this particular game. Another reason for it. We got no bloody idea whether Jalen Hurts is going to be able to throw the football tonight. He's had the busted finger. He didn't throw Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday that anyone from the media could have seen. Don't know what he did behind closed doors, under domes, whatever else. Uh, but he hasn't tested it all that much. They say that he's got this splint that he's going to be able to wear that's going to allow him to get as much flexibility as possible in that finger. Okay, until I see it with my own two eyes. When he drops back to pass and has to throw a dart 12-yard out, until I see that, I'm going to question that. And I think that's fair, don't you? Yeah, and that's the one thing is we look at this game and common sense would tell you Jalen Hurts has an injured finger. Your number one wide receiver isn't playing. Run the ball. But what we've seen time and time again, Eagles and Brian Johnson will probably drop back 50 damn times tonight. I mean, that's that's the frustrating thing. If they do that tonight, when you know you have no wide receiver one with A.J. Brown, you got a guy with a banged-up finger at starting quarterback, I pray to God that they take the common-sense approach here and run the ball. But the good thing is, and I don't know how true this is or not, but Ruben Frank put out a story on Friday talking about that the players were saying that Hertz was throwing lasers at practice. Now, whether or not that's a competitive advantage or what, what it may be, but from Britton Covey, he wasn't just throwing. He was throwing deep balls. He was throwing lasers. I don't think it will be something that affects him. I haven't asked him, but just seeing him in person doing it, it was a sigh of relief for all of us. That's coming from Britton Covey, so take that. All right, and I think Britton Covey's pretty much a straight shooter. I don't know Britton whether to be a Gild the Lily guy or not. We don't get too many Britton Covey quotes. Good for Ruben for being able to get the one. 
I'll tell you what, with our boy Rube, he wrote an article over the weekend that uh, leading up to the weekend that actually buoyed me more than a Britain Covey quote. And it was about going into the Eagle locker room late in the week and the fact that it was a relaxed locker room. I read that. The, yep. the guys were laughing and playing music and poking fun at each other and the like. There, there would be every reasonable expectation to think that this locker room is as tight as a drum. The, with the way that they're playing, they would be very nervous and very reticent that Ruben said, hey, if they don't win, they don't win. It's because they're just not good enough uh, to beat the Bucks on Monday. But it won't be because they're too tight. They're, 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 they're too nervous. They're too worried about this. They're feeling the pressure. He said it was a very loose and relaxed locker room. Between you and I, that's the best news I got all weekend. That that gave me more pause to think about picking the Buccaneers than anything else. Because the A.J. Brown thing, I'm having trouble getting past. The fact that we don't know uh, Reed Blankenship is going to be able to play. That Britton Covey may see lasers. I might not see lasers when Jalen Hurts drops back the pass for the first time tonight. Uh, but I, I trust Ruben, and uh, he's very observant. And if he says... The Eagle locker room is chill and they're not pressurized and they're not uh, letting the five out of six losses pile on top of them. I think that's a real good sign, Billy C. Yeah, Rube does a great job. And what we've been waiting for, though, the thing that makes me nervous is we've been waiting for this leadership group and this strong locker room to get this team to respond. We thought they would respond after they got dominated by the Niners. They didn't. We thought they would respond after they got dominated by the Cowboys. They didn't. We thought they would respond after they let the Seahawks go 92 yards in less than two minutes. They didn't. We thought they would respond after the Arizona Cardinals and Jonathan Gannon dominated them at Lincoln Financial Field. They didn't. So, yes, I'm still holding on to hope, and I'm trying to be positive. But why now is this leadership group and this locker room finally going to respond to adversity when they haven't done it in six games. Hey, maybe it's because it is the playoffs and it's a new season. That's the only thing I'm hanging on, but it hasn't looked good, man. It certainly hasn't looked good. All right. We've certainly um, mentioned it, but we haven't gone in deep detail on it. The Dallas Cowboys choked again yesterday. Um, And there are certain players. We have one here in Philadelphia. His name is Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid could get another MVP this year. He could, and uh, he's, when he plays, he's starting to miss games again. That's getting me nervous. Uh, When he plays, he's the most unstoppable force in in the National Basketball Association. But what he does in the regular season is borderline irrelevant because it's all about the postseason. It's all about getting the second round of the playoffs. It's all about being in an Eastern Conference final or an NBA final. Everything he does up to that point is fun and nice but really not all that meaningful. You can say the same thing about Dak Prescott. Can you not, Billy C? Absolutely. And our buddy Jeff Kerr put out a stat after the game last night that said the Cowboys have the most wins in a three-year span, which is 36 wins, without a conference championship appearance. I mean, that's that's crazy. You're right. Good comparison to the Philadelphia 76ers. And – what are the Cowboys going to do with Dak, though? I mean, he's under contract. I think he's got a $50, $60 million cap hit next year, but it's the last year of his deal. This would be the time to extend him. I wouldn't extend him. I mean, he, he's a great regular season player. He's a great fantasy football player. 
but he cannot get you even to – we're not even talking about getting to the Super Bowl, Jody. We're talking about getting to a conference championship game, and they can't do it. Yeah, uh, he just hasn't been that type of player in the postseason. Um, I'm checking the the Prescott contract. If you're right, and he's only got one year, they're, they're stuck. You can't after, – after yesterday's performance, and I know he threw for 400 yards – the most irrelevant 400 yards, the two oh-by-the-way touchdowns that he got at the end of the game. Uh, ridiculous. Um, I don't quite understand what the hell happened there, but... Uh, yeah, I'm looking at his contract twenty three. You're right. Yeah, 2024 is the last year of his deal, but the dead cap hit would be $61.9 So he's got to be their quarterback next year unless somebody makes a trade for him. But... This would have been the year. You don't want a $60 million cap it. Maybe, you know, extend them, push some of that money back into later years. They can't do it. But, hey, one thing we didn't talk about. I texted you at the start of the Packers-Cowboys game. Yes, yesterday. you did. Coin toss. Green Bay wins the toss on the road, and they say, give us the ball. Something Jody Mack always loves to talk about. Yes, sir. Analytics says... Defer, get the ball at the second half. But, man, did that work out for the pack getting aggressive and taking the ball early? Um, yeah, kudos to uh, LaFleur for having nerve enough to do it and say, yeah, you think uh, just because I got an inexperience, yeah, Dak's played in that many more playoff games. I'm going to use my guy. I'm going to take the ball and I'm going to go right down the field. And I'm going to stick in the end zone. How'd that work out for him? Just fine. Thank you very much. And I love the and I love the message it sends to your young quarterback, Jordan Love. You know, saying we're going to win the toss and we're going to put the ball in your hands because that's the faith we have in you. And they delivered, and they never looked back after that drive. It really was impressive. And I told you earlier, I was impressed with the fact that he runs out of under center, that he doesn't not want those quarters. Oh, you got to be uh, out of the shotgun, and that's how you get into your offense better. Not necessarily. Depends on the player. Depends on the situation. Uh, and I think LaFleur should get a ton of credit for what he's done with that Packer team this year. Um, he's another one, much like Mike McCarthy. Both of the coaches on the, the respective sidelines last night were, well, yeah, they win because they have Aaron Rodgers. That's been the thought about Mike McCarthy. That's been the thought about uh, LaFleur. No, they uh, at least LaFleur proved this year that, yeah, if I've got a good quarter, if I can develop Jordan Love, I can uh, win with them. It's not all about Aaron Rodgers. I wonder where Rodgers was watching that game yesterday, yeah. watching his two old coaches Did you go see against each other. Did you see the stat that they put up on the TV broadcast of the Green Bay Packers with first and second year players, all the records that they have with regard to receptions and touchdowns and yards? Scary thing for the NFC with how young that Packers team is. They can do some things over the next few years. They are. They're a very good young team. Uh, and I was sitting on the fence about Jordan Love. I wasn't buying in. I wasn't, oh, he's going to take off. He's going to be great. I was going to take a, well, let's see, we'll prove it year for Jordan Love. And he got off to a, I don't want to say bad start, but a slow start. Wasn't wowing anybody early on this season, but he really did kick into gear over the second half of the year. So the, they are not one of those teams that's got to figure out their quarterback situation. Like you said, uh, Dak Prescott, the Dallas Cowboys, have to figure out what they're going to do with him. Next year is a big year for them. Yeah, the, the the Packers are just fine. They're going to be going forward uh, with their their guy. Uh, just please, I uh, I 
ask all you football fans out there, because I've heard a little bit, I've gotten calls on it. I've even heard some media members go there. Don't, don't, don't put them in a category with Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers yet. The spoiled Packer fans, Johnny Mack likes to say this, Packer fans are spoiled because they go from Hall of Fame quarterback to Hall of Fame quarterback over a 30-year period. He's right. Uh, let, let's not put Jordan Love in the, uh, the Canton just yet, okay? Had a nice season, showed very improved tendencies, big win yesterday. He's got a long way to go before he gets on the Rodgers and Favre level, but at least they've got themselves something they can build on, so we give them that much. All right, he's Calarulo. I'm McDonald. It's uh, Birds 365, just not a Mac and Mac version today because Johnny Mac is on his way heading down to Tampa as we speak. Um, we're hoping to be joined by J.C. Allen. He covers the Bucks for Bucks Game Day. Um, having some troubles, difficulties getting the link to get him on here, but we will attempt to uh, do that. Uh, we want to give you a little uh, Tampa insight. We know we're very eagle centric here on Birds 365. Shockingly so. Why would Birds 365 be eagle centric? Um, we're, uh, we do like to give you at least the other's perspective and give you uh, the eye, the eye of the fan and, or the reporter through the other team's, uh, vision. So, uh, we're working on getting JC Allen up next here on birds 365, but either way, Carullo and McDonald coming back here on birds 365. Go to get your game on, go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits go for the stakes and the stakes go to get your parlay on go to get your party on go for the scene go for the screens go for the gallery go for the win go to ocean visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit at pond lee hockey we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients and we're confident we can do the same for you with over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. 
Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Appreciate you staying with us here on Birds 365. You got Bill Colarulo in for John McMullen today, me, Jody McDonald. And that would be J.C. Allen from uh, the Bucks game day. Been covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for years. Been on the show with us before. Good to get him back in the mix here. Uh, J.C., when the Bucks won last week in not overly impressive fashion, defensively they did, nine points, uh, not, not going to set the world on fire. But they knew they were in. They had to win to get in and host a playoff game. How did they feel about facing the Eagles? You, you know, this is something that's really crazy because after their Week Three loss, Devin White actually said, "It's all right. We'll see them again." Um, and here we are down the road, and we're seeing them again. It's also kind of funny story. This past week, obviously, Dave Canales, the offensive coordinator, um, was requested by the Panthers for an interview. So somebody had made an Instagram account back before training camp even started of Dave Canales, an imposter account. Uh, used his family names, updated the stories after wins and losses all through the season. So there was a really weird post out of character that said, you know, thankful for my time in Tampa Bay, excited for this Carolina, if everything goes well. You know, I'm grateful for the opportunities. So, you know, I posted that on Instagram, on Twitter, like, oh, my goodness, why is he doing this? Turns out it was an Eagles fan. Really? Um, imposing as the coach the entire time and then posted the next thing on his story. Uh, got you, you know, go birds, fly, Eagles, fly. So not only are the players motivated for this game, I think the fans have a little extra motivation, too, um, at, for this game as well. And that's like some Kaiser Sose stuff right there. Uh, that was crazy. <laughs> yeah, long play. Like, I mean, after you think before training camp, you think he would have done it after week three, but this guy went the distance. So nice. um, he maybe he had some foreshadow too, like Devin White did. Maybe. Well, you look back at that week three game, and we talked about it earlier on the show. September is an eternity ago. But one thing the Eagles were able to do really well was run the football, put up over 200 yards. By far the most this Bucks defense has given up all season. They've been really good against the run. What do you think happens tonight? Are the Eagles going to be able to run the football against this really good Bucks defense? Or is this Bucks defense, was that just an outlier that week three game? I think they're sure as heck going to try to. Um, the Bucks, they were down a few pieces. Last um, last time these two teams met, they didn't have Kalaja Kansi. He was, in, he was out with injury, so that's a huge piece for them that they have. Uh, Yaya Diaby hadn't taken taken that large growth step into a starting role. So he'll be out there now, very physical um, and really good at setting the edge. We've seen multiple tackles. He actually led all rookies with tackles for loss this season. Um, so having him there is another big boost. They also didn't have Carlton Davis, who's really good in run support. And Jamel Dean left early on that game, too, who's also good in run, run support. So on the interior of the line, 
on the on the on the outside boundaries with the cornerbacks and then on the edge. Plus, you also have to remember that Devin White was dealing with a groin injury. Part of the reason why he couldn't return that interception for a touchdown that that um, Jalen Hurts threw to him. So there's quite a few pieces that were missing that are going to be back or are healthy or healthy enough that they're going to try to make a difference. But I think if you're the Bucks and the Bucks defense, that's priority number one is make sure Swift doesn't hurt you. JC, I'm a big fan of Todd Bowles as a defensive play caller. Not as big a fan of him as a head coach, but he's very good at calling defensive plays. Right. And his blitzing has been very effective this year. And, oh, by the way, I'm sure you know by now, the Eagles have not done well facing blitzes. Right. Um, how aggressive is Bowles going to be tonight? Uh, the If you're reviewing the past, it seems to me like it's going to be an uber-aggressive game. Do you expect that when the two teams take the field tonight? I expect them to mix in the blitzes early on. I think it really depends on if they can get home with their with four. Um, if they're struggling to get home or put pressure on Jalen Hurts with four, then they're definitely going to have to send some extra pressure. Um, it also depends on how well they're, they're doing at stopping the run and the extension of the run, of course, those screen games. So um, I definitely expect them to have some exotic looks. You know, maybe he'll, li- he'll line up Cansey um, wide nine. Maybe he'll drop Vita Vea into the into the defensive tackle position. And, you mean and, like dropping the, uh, our guy, Hassan Reddick, in pass coverage nine times? Nine times the last game. Yeah. Can't be doing pass coverage, huh? I think they'll do a little bit. I mean, this is a guy who's had Vita Vea dropping pass coverage. So um, I think he'll do some crazy things up front to try to disguise looks, to try to send some simulator pressure. So um, I definitely expect him to send more. I think Antoine Winfield will certainly, certainly get his cracks um, as one of the best all-pro Antoine Winfield, I should say that. Um, is one of the best guys down in the line of scrimmage. So he's going to send the, the the blitz. It's just I think his preference is to get home with four and play that zone defense and, and not let you know the rest of the guys beat you. You follow this team closely, obviously, and, and I just look at the numbers over the last six games, and it looks like the Bucks are playing great football. Five and one, plus 38-point differential, beat the Packers in those six games who we just saw dominate the Cowboys but how good are the Bucs playing right now? Is that just statistics or is it passing the eye test as well that they're playing really well? I think the defense is playing tremendous. They're the second-ranked defense of those last six games. Um, they have been playing absolutely great, too. You know, they had the shutout against um, uh, Carolina. They also held, uh, I think, to 12 points for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So they've been playing tremendous. The offense has had its, its hiccups, especially over the last two games. But a large portion of that, too, is due to Baker and his rib injury, his ankle injury that he sustained, too. So they're not being able to get it going. But, you know, you, you can't overlook the fact, too, that the Saints defense is really good. And the Panthers defense was ranked number three in the season. So, I mean, those are two good defenses. So well, the biggest thing is everyone feels comfortable now on the offensive side of the ball as far as um, run fits, as far as the passing diagram, everything, you know, offensive coordinator, um, Baker Mayfield, uh, they're in lockstep right now with Dave Canales. So you look at week three, and this was a team that was just playing together in that third game. Baker Mayfield had to split reps all throughout the summer with Kyle Trask in a quarterback competition. So he was still getting to know his guys still. He was still getting to know what his line does, still getting to know all these things. Now we fast forward to this point of the season over this last six-game stretch where they know each other. They know what they're doing. They know the playbook inside and out. They That's why they've had such success especially in the run game, moving the ball, 
uh, taking those shots down the field is because everybody kind of understands what's expected of them in this offense. When back on these two teams faced, it was still getting your feet wet. I, I was actually watching the Bucks game last week, nine, nothing over Tampa. And they had it in the, the red zone uh, of the Panthers and they didn't convert on a third down. And they were going for a field goal. I thought they might need to call a timeout because of too many men on the field, because it took Baker Mayfield that long to get off the field. Mm-hmm. He was so hurting. He couldn't even jog off the field. He had to walk off the field, and he sucked it up and got back in there and finished the game. I, I tip my hat to him. I think he's a tough guy quarterback. He's been questionable all week long. How do we know what percentage Baker Mayfield will be at by the time kickoff goes? Is there a telltale sign with Baker that a fan could read and go, all right, yeah, he's all right. He's going to give it a – oh, man. He's not he, – there's no way he's finishing taking every snap of this game. Anything you can tip your hand with on Baker Mayfield? I think Baker's probably around 70 75% right now, um, which is enough uh, to start a playoff game. Um, you know, these opportunities don't come often. He's only been to one playoff – you know, one playoff run in his, in his career – um, he's going to go out there and give everything he's got. I'm sure he'll get a nice little shot to kind of, you know, numb things up. And and obviously the adrenaline will start, will start flowing and he won't feel it as much. But, you know, it all starts up front. The line's got to block. They've got to protect against this vaunted front seven, front eight, nine, ten, eleven with the rotation. By the time you get through the rotation of these guys who can impact the game along that front seven, um, they've got to be ready. They've got to be ready to to sustain blocks. Baker's got to be ready to get rid of the ball quick. If it's not there, he can't take unnecessary hits. If he does that, that could, you know, jar some things up and, and it prevent him from, as, as you said, not finishing this game. So, you know, he's definitely going to be hurting, um, especially after the game, but they, they rested him those two days at bonus day on, on Wednesday and on Thursday, had him practice on Friday and Saturday because of that reason, um, because he's banged up and they want to preserve him as much as they can and preserve him throwing. So he's close as close to 100% as he can be right now. And we're talking about Baker Mayfield. Let's talk about the, the running game for your offense because worst rushing offense in the entire NFL, if Baker Mayfield's hurt or he's not 100% like you're indicating – are they going to be able to establish the run? They haven't really been able to run on anybody. What do you attribute that to? Is that the offensive line? Do they not run block very well? Um, you know, in the beginning of the season, it was, it was you know, you can point to a lot of things. Um, you know, the offensive line. Uh, Rashad White not using his patience and vision enough. Um, left a lot of meat on the bone in a lot of his runs early in the season. Dave Canales maybe not knowing when to call the runs. Um, so I think in the beginning of the season, you saw a lot of those issues kind of stack on top of each other, and that's why they weren't able to run. If you look at the last six games of the season, they were able to kind of get the run going a, a, a lot more and, and even use Rashad White in the screen game as an extension of the run. You look back to that Atlanta Falcons game, you had that 31-yard screen pass or a touchdown. Um, getting him in space is huge. And then Chase Edmonds, too, he, he brings a different burst. So, you know, it, it was – it was a compilation of a, diff- a bunch of different things, but they've been able to move the ball a lot more. Dave Canales is going to want balance on that offensive side of the football. He's going to want to try to wear those big guys down on the on the, on the um, Eagles defensive line uh, so they can kind of do what they want in that fourth quarter if they're still in it, if it's still a game. Um, but, you know, your, your guess is as good as mine. It's been a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde uh, each week for, for the running game. And are they going to show up? Are they going to show out? 
I guess we'll just have to wait till tonight to see. And oh, by the way, in the passing game, and again, we'll see what Baker's level of uh, capability is when the game starts. He's got guys to throw to another combined 2,000-yard guys between Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Only 13, 13, only 13 <laughs> touchdowns for Mike Evans this year. Guys going to the Hall of Fame. Mm. How has he been doing it? Now, we, you would think coming into this matchup, back to week number three again, uh, you got Darius Slay, James Bradbury, who's coming off a very good year last year, matching up against two all-pro level wide receivers. Should be a great showdown. Yeah, so go ahead. No, I was gonna say, so what they've what they've done really is moved Mike around all over the place. He's not only been a guy who's been on the outside running go routes, uh, kind of what they've used him for the last three years under Arians and Leftwich. He's a guy who's moving around in the slot, doing different things, hitches, hooks. He's been all sorts of um he's been all over the field in all sorts of variations. You know, you go back to training camp, he comes off the field and says, I've never been this open in my life. Um, you know, you look at these situations where um, you guys are like, was that Mike? Like, you know, because they're using him in different ways than he's ever been used. And it's showing up on the stat sheet, you know, 1400 yards, 13 touchdowns, you know, 10th straight consecutive thousand yard season. And as for Godwin, you know, you look at Godwin and you think, Oh, he's, that's a slot guy, right? He's, he's been in the slot most of his career. He's playing on the outside a lot more and that's giving him these opportunities as well um, to make some amazing boundary catches. Uh, you look back at that Vikings game to seal the seal the deal all the way back in week one. And, that's what he's capable of. He's actually one of the best top two contested catch receivers in the league since uh, 2019. So a lot of people don't know that about Chris. He's not just a one-trick pony. Um, he can play outside. He can play in the slot. And he can you know, take the ball away from defensive backs like no other. And talking about Mike Evans, this may be his last game in a Bucks uniform, right? He's in the final year of his deal. He is, but... I would be shocked if the Bucks and Mike Evans don't find a way to come back, um, get something resolved for him to come back. Now, they may let him test the market and say they've done that over the last couple of years with guys like Levante David, Bucks legend, most underrated linebacker in all of football, um, probably ever. Um, they've done that with Carlton Davis. They've done that with Jamel Dean. Go test. Tell us what you got. We'll, if we can match it, we'll match it. If not, you know, we wish you luck. So the only place I feel like Mike Evans would even really consider, I know the Chiefs have been thrown out like crazy and so have the Jets, but I think Houston is the only spot that he'd actually consider closer to home from Galveston. Otherwise, I don't think he leaves Tampa Bay. I think they find some a way to get something done. Maybe not the Cooper Cup money he was asking for, but somewhere around $23, $24 million a year uh, with a large portion of it guaranteed over three years, I think, to get something done. I I just want to run this by you, um, and I know it's weird, and we should be talking about the Bucks and the Eagles, the matchup, who's going to win the game tonight. But I love looking ahead. Um, there has been conversation about if the Eagles lose, Nick Sirianni's job could be at stake here. Um, last night, when the Dallas Cowboys lost, there was immediate rumbles that you know <laughs> Belichick and Jerry Jones, it's uh, stranger bed partners, have come down before. How about this one? If the Eagles all of a sudden look like the ten and one team, not the one and five team last night, going and just bury the Bucks by three touchdowns tonight, is Todd Bowles' job in jeopardy? And would Bill Belichick think about following in the footsteps of Tom Brady and go from New England to Tampa to take over the Buccaneers next year? 
<laughs> you know, for the first part of that question is that they were they have to be embarrassed, flat out embarrassed, kind of like the Dallas Cowboys um, would would have been for them to consider that. I think Bowles kind of locked his is good with the loss. I think he still survives, but if it's a blowout loss, now I think you're talking about a different thing. Remember, this is showbiz. To the owners, this is showbiz. It's not sure they want to see their team win, but at the end of the day, this is about making money. And who puts more butts in the seats than Belichick, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're trying to sell a $70,000 stadium with an idea of bringing back Todd Bowles, eh, good luck. You'll probably see one-third of away jerseys in there like you did this entire season. But if you bring in someone like Belichick, now there's a lot of buzz. There's a lot of excitement around the team, not to mention national media, the news. Um, does Belichick want to finish that up? You know, it's it's funny because it, when you look at the dynamic of the front office, you know, Jason Light, Belichick's worked with him very closely. The Glaziers, I think, are really great owners um, that will, that um, you know, kind of, they don't meddle and they're very supportive. So I think that would be a good fit as well. Um, you know, they kind of just leave football operations to the football guys. I'm like, what kind of craft has been doing a few years in up in New England? Um, and you know, the piece of the defense, you know, he runs kind of that sort of four three three four hybrid, a lot of nickel, a lot of dime stuff. They've got some great pieces for him to use up there down here in Tampa. So, would I rule it out? Absolutely out of the question, no, but do I think any of it's likely? I also don't, and I think if they were probably going to do something like that maybe if if Bulls were to let go maybe they'd kind of look in-house at at Dave Canales and kind of get him you know that head coaching job one year earlier than being one year late because you know he's already getting interviews this year and that's the problem with defensive coaches guys you know that right you get a good defensive coach who finds a good offensive coordinator he's looking for another one in two years uh Bobby Slowick you know, is in that same boat with uh, D'Amico Ryans. You know, they're they're looking at him now. Um, so maybe they they choose to go that route. If anything, you know, he's got a good rapport. Offensive guys already know him. He's young. He's bright. You know, I think that'd be the route they go. Interesting. It, looking at the Bucks defense, so you guys give up a lot of yards, but not a lot of points. Top six, only giving up nineteen points a game, and I think it's because your red zone defense is so good. Top three red zone defense. What makes the Bucks so good in the red zone? Yeah, it's funny, you know, when when teams are like the twenty-two or the twenty-three, you're like, just get three more yards or just just get into the red zone, please, uh, because you know that they're going to be so good. It's the, the field's so condensed, and, and Bowles has so many different packages for it. Um, the communication is a little bit easier as well. When you look at this team, they've let up a lot of explosives over the over the season, and you know different communication issues. They've got so many injuries, so they've had different guys rotating in and out all season. So it hasn't been a consistent group. I think they only have two or three games with their starting group out there on the field before injuries started to take hold. So, um, you know, it's been a lot of just different communication problems. And with a condensed field, it's it's easier to do that. These are, you know, and, and you're not playing so much zone, too, when you get down in there. And, and Todd Bowles has been running a lot of soft zone, um, which is kind of – let these openings and explosives happen. And, you know, you've got two guys who are the best in the league on the outside and in, in, in press coverage, man press coverage, in Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis. So you let those guys do their thing down there in the end zone, and they make it very difficult for quarterbacks to find their receivers. Um, so I think all those things kind of c- contributed to it too. And the, the defensive line just gets stouter down there for whatever reason, you know, they're just not today. 
JC, uh, Bill and I were kicking this around early in the show. We're judging it from this end. I need your read from that end, meaning in Tampa. Last time these two teams met, week number three, I was watching the tape yesterday, and it sounded like an Eagle Hall game, to be honest with you. Every time the Eagles made a play, the cheers were outrageous, bad call, the boos were very relevant. Um, we don't know how many Eagle fans are actually going to head down to this game. It's a playoff game. Playoffs. Playoffs. Yet the buzz is not here in Philadelphia right here, right now. The Bucks did win their way into the playoffs. I, I nothing, but they won their way into the playoffs. How big a uh, Eagle crowd can we expect tonight? Are the Buck fans not going to give up their tickets? <laughs> are they still complacent with it? Uh, what do you think the crowd is like tonight in the horseshoe? Well, I, you know, I have seen a big concerted effort on, you know, social media's platforms to only sell the Bucks fans. If you're not going to be able to make it, because it's tough, it's a Monday night game, right? Um, of course, it's Martin Luther King Day. Um, but at the same time, a lot of people have work tomorrow. We know how these games go. You're 8-20 game, you're up till 12 o'clock. I'm till 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> you know, if you're, if you're, especially if you're commuting, you know, the game ends at 12. Now you're stuck in traffic trying to leave the stadium. You don't get home till you know, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. You got work the next day. So a lot of people, plus we're expected to have some, you know, wet weather today. So a lot of fans might say, yeah, I'm not going. And, you know, throw them up in the secondary market. And hopefully Bucks fans buy them up. But the part, problem of it, too, is Tampa's such a melting pot. Like it went when I first moved down here, it went me five months till I finally met someone that wasn't from that was from actually from Tampa, born and raised. It's so many different people moved down here. And of course, there's a big contingent of Philly fans, too. And we're in snowboard. We're in the snowbird season, too. So, you know, they're down here. Um, Not to mention when, you know, you kind of look at the situation here. um, Bucks fans live here. Philadelphia fans. It's cold up there where you guys are right now. You know. You can make a whole trip out of this, right? A little mini vacation. You come down Friday night, come down Saturday morning, leave Tuesday, uh, and have it all kind of planned out. Bucks fans who are down here are, are planning around their work days. So um, I expect there to be at the stadium at least one-third full uh, of Eagles fans, okay. if not more. Um, maybe you're looking at a 60-40 split, Bucks fans to Eagles fans. But I expect there to be a large contingency of, of Philadelphia fans down here for tonight's game. Very nice. All right, last thing for you, uh, JC, fill in the blank. The Buccaneers will eliminate the Eagles in advance in the playoffs because, or the Philadelphia Eagles kind of get their act back together, and they're off to Detroit to take on the Lions because. Pick or choose either one, fill in the blank. The Buccaneers will move on to to Detroit if, because they've got off to a hot start, Um, they played sound, disciplined football, which means they're not beating themselves they're not uh, getting stupid penalties. They're not getting lured offsides um, in different situations. They're not um, letting up these big explosive plays. Um, that's the way they're going to do it. You know, they've got to get off to a hot start. They've got to play sound defense, stopping the run, making them one-dimensional with, you know, without AJ Brown, um, with the hobbled, um, you know, uh, Devonte Smith. And an injured Jalen Hurts. They've got to stop the run and make him try to make him one-dimensional. 
and they've got to get out fast. They've got to play smart. I mean, those are my keys to the game. I think if they can do those things, they should win. You know, Reed Blankenship's a game-time decision. He had an interception that first week. A.J. Brown had 14 targets on nine receptions for 131. They're going to have to split those around. Look for Dallas Goddard to get a lot of those excess targets that aren't going to be there. Um, I think if, if they're going to win this game, he's going to be a key factor of it. Um, and they've got to continue to contain Jalen Hurts because, yeah, his fingers hurt. And, you know, maybe he's he, – he misses on some of those throws, especially if it's rainy, but his legs still work fine. So you got to do those things. And the tush will push. We'll be run at least a couple times tonight. <laughs> we, can, we can guarantee you that. Uh, JC, great stuff. We appreciate you jumping in with us. You're always good when you jo- join us. Um, hopefully you stay dry tonight if it's going to be raining. I know I'll press be in the press box. box so we're be good. <laughs> well, well enclosed there. So uh, get in and out of the stadium uh, safely. Have a uh, good watch. And thanks for jumping in with us today. Always. Talk to you guys soon. Our pleasure. J.C. Allen, uh, reporter for Bucks Game Day. Used to be Pewter Report, now doing Bucks Game Day. All right, Johnny Mac. And not Johnny Mac. That's Bill Colarulo. And we're going to get him up and ready for his power hour. But first things first, we've got to come back and put a bow on this show. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN.
LES Eagles. All right, coming down home stretch of a bird 365 show. Game day into game day. Eagles Bucks tonight in Tampa. About an 8.15 kick. See, I never trust ESPN. If they say 8.15, that means they're going to kick off at 8. They're, they're worse with the NBA. They always flat out lie about what time the NBA is going to tip off. They want you tuning into their pregame show, so they uh, move it up by at least 15 minutes. Uh, but this is this is NFL playoffs, so maybe they get it off right at 8.15 as they state. All right. Um, Bill's been more optimistic than me. If you heard me yesterday on WIP with my buddy Glenn Macnow, I picked the Bucks 24-23. So I, I'm on record as picking the Bucks. I, I reserved the right to change my mind. Who knows? Maybe miraculously AJ Brown was going to be healed. Went to see a faith healer down there in Tampa who was going to play. Um I think the Cowboy game has some influence, minimal influence on this uh game coming up. I'm I'm certainly I think it's a toss-up. I believe that either of the two teams could win this game. I was wrong about it. I thought the, the the easiest game to handicap this weekend was the Lions. I thought the Lions were going to win by double digit. They held on a one by one. So uh, I did pick the Texans. I had that right on Saturday. I thought Kansas City was easy because Miami's just going to have a tough time in the snow. I don't feel strongly about my play here or my feeling here. I'm going to ask you this question and I'm going to give you my answer. The one player that if he has an above-average game for him uh, compared to what he's done this season, his career, different guys have different resumes on the Philadelphia Eagles. If there's one player that's going to have an A-plus game, who does that need to be for the Eagles to be victorious today, Bill Colorado? I think it's DeAndre Swift. I mean, he's had good games this season, so I don't know if it's necessarily going to be the best game of his career, but I think if DeAndre Swift rushes for over 100 yards in this game, the Philadelphia Eagles win. I thought you were going to go there because you've been pounding the rock all day long on the Eagles have to run the football, which is probably pretty damn smart. I'll give you a different guy on the other side of the ball. Josh Schwett has been non-existent. He's a history. He's a ghost the last month and a half on his Eagles defense. Reddick is tried. He hasn't gotten the production that we want either, but at least he's there. And, oh, by the way, Matt Patricia has him dropping back in coverage. That's not what he does or should be doing. So you're going to give him slack for any of those plays. Josh Sweat has been a complete non-factor for a month and a half. Can he just come out of nowhere and have a two-sack game tonight, Bill? Do you have any faith that that's the case, that uh, Josh Sweat reappears as one of the best uh, defensive end pass rushing specialists in the NFL? All the chatter with Sweat is he's hit a wall. He's played a career high in snaps. Is he Suck done? it up. Come on. It, exactly. That's where I'm going with it. Look, you didn't play the second half last week in week 18. It's the playoffs. You had the extra day of rest. So let's hope. I mean, let's hope Josh Sweat can get some pressure on Baker Mayfield, especially with a hobbled ankle. Mayfield shouldn't be that elusive. He's not anyway, usually. But, yeah, if Josh Sweat can have a big game, that would go a long way. You mentioned Nolan Smith earlier. Are we getting anything from Nolan Smith tonight? No. No. Plain and simple. No. I, I can't have any faith in that. At least with Josh Sweat, we got a track record. 
and maybe the old flip the switch, uh, turn on the faucet works for Josh Sweat. I'm not going back to his Georgia days to go, oh, look at what Nolan Smith can do. He's given him nothing all year. I can't believe It's amazing. A position we really thought we had so much depth. There is zero depth on the edge right now. No, and uh, hopefully BG's got one more big game left in him, and then they get to go to Detroit next week, and we can do this all over again. All right, the only thing I haven't gotten from you, Bill Calarulo, is a score. You are leaning toward the Eagles. You're coming down on the optimistic side. How optimistic are you? How do you think this game finishes up? Well, let me first say I was one and three this weekend with my picks. So not a great weekend. I thought that the Rams were going to win that game. I said Rams money line yesterday. So if I would have taken the points, we would have been okay at two and two. But I, I was one and three. So take this with a grain of salt. But I have no reason to believe that this Eagles team is going to snap out of this funk that they've been in the last six weeks. But maybe it's my green colored glasses. I just can't imagine that they go to Tampa against a team that's not a very good football team. The Eagles lucked out with their opponent. I think any other NFC opponent, I'd be going the other way here. I just don't think the Bucs are that good. I think they go into Tampa. I think they're going to establish the run. I think you'll see our defense play a lot better than the way they've played over the last few weeks simply because the Bucs aren't that good at running the football. Baker Mayfield's not that great of a quarterback. I have the Eagles winning this game 27-17. I actually think it's going to be an easy win for the Birds. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not changing my pick from yesterday. Uh, you mentioned it when we had J.C. Allen on. The Bucs are very good red zone defense. They hold teams to field goals. They don't give up a ton of touchdowns. And I think that could be the difference in the game. It was the difference last night between the uh, Lions and the Rams. Rams came up short in a couple of possessions late. One, they had to kick a field goal. One, I'll tell you, McVay, I think screw up. you got to go for it on fourth down there. Have there's, to. There's a chance that they can run out the clock and you never get the ball back again. Yeah, I'm going for it on fourth down rather than punting. He punted, which I thought was kind of weak. But, and Jody, part. and even if, if they go for it there, and let's say they don't convert, it's a shorter field, so maybe you let – the Lions come down, score a little bit quicker. You have some time left on the clock. I didn't like that at all. Right, because you're down a point, and then you can yeah. go for the two-point conversion if you give up a touchdown. Yeah, I thought McVay kind of screwed it up last night. Um, but uh, I, I they, they, couldn't, they couldn't get touchdowns when they got inside the red zone, and the Rams paid a price for it. I feel that's going to be the Eagles tonight. I think you're going to see a bunch of Jake Elliott field goals. My final score yesterday was my final score today. 24-23. I hope it's 24-23 Eagles. I fear it'll be 24-23 Bucks. But we'll be back to talk about it tomorrow. Billy C, thank you very much for jumping in for Johnny Mac. Did an outstanding job. Have a good power hour, bud. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. It was fun. Yeah, everybody stay tuned. Philly Sports Power Hour coming up. And Johnny Mac and I will be back tomorrow here on Birds 365. No, it won't be Johnny Mac. Johnny Mac will be flying back from Tampa is it, are you in tomorrow too, or am I getting Farsy or to be determined? I think it's to be determined. We got to talk to the producer, Xander. I'm not sure what's going on tomorrow yet. Gotcha. I'm telling you right here, right now, I'm going to be here tomorrow. Win, lose, draw, Eagles advancing, going to Detroit, or is Sirianni going to get fired? The conversation will be had tomorrow here on Birds 365. I'll be here with to be determined partner. So be back with me in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365. 
the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.